Hello, and welcome to the U.S. Center for Safe Sports podcast series. At the Center, we are dedicated to making athlete well-being and safety the centerpiece of sport culture. Our podcast will connect individuals to important conversations on getting the best and safest experience out of sports. Get ready to learn valuable information, shareable tips, and helpful resources to keep you engaged in the game. Today, we will be discussing sexual assault prevention. Our guest today is Monika Johnson-Hosler, President of the National Alliance to End Sexual Violence and Executive Director of the North Carolina Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Happy listening and welcome, Monika. Thank you. So let's start off by talking about what is Sexual Assault Awareness Month? Okay, so Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which um, I would say in the in the decade, in the era of acronyms and um, LOLs and emojis, we've actually shortened it to start calling it SAM, so Sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, which was started definitely over two decades ago now that really was focused um, at that time specifically on drawing attention to sexual assaults that were happening. So that was on college campuses and in community, oftentimes anchored around a Take Back the Night, which many people have heard of a Take Back the Night March. Many of our college campuses actually still do Take Back the Nights. And so it really started as kind of an anchor um, awareness activity. Then it moved to a week long of activities of looking at ways that you can draw attention to raise awareness of sexual assault. specifically during a week and then finally it expounded to an entire month and for the last decade and a half we've really put an emphasis on in the sexual assault community both awareness and prevention and really drawn a distinction through the first iteration a decade of SAM we were really focused on raising awareness and heightening people's understanding of the prevalence frequency and the types and ways in which sexual assault was happening in people's lives and in community and really trying to focus on supporting survivors throughout that and I would say you know the the second half um, of the two decades has really been moving towards prevention and really instituting ways in which we can work in community, but also with individuals and organizations to really move towards preventing sexual violence. And we really have started to coin the phrase that prevention is possible. Um, and a part of that education and awareness is really making sure people understand that sexual assault happens across the lifespan. Um, so that for us really includes drawing attention to child sexual abuse all the way to adulthood in the various forms. So by people that you know, family member, uh, by an extension of your family, as you all are very aware at Safe Sport, by coaches and people that your families trust that are an extension of your family. So it may not be related to you, but really an extension in somebody you trust and believe, um, like coaches, but also scouts and other civic leaders who really become a part of a person's family. Um, College sexual assault, which we've really um, heard far more awareness and heightened understanding over the last five to seven years. And then sexual assault that happens generally in the community. We don't We don't talk as much about stranger sexual assault because that's a very small percentage, not just of those reported sexual assaults, but sexual assault in general, because what we know about sexual assault is it continues to be perpetuated because of the relationship allows it to historically have a veil of silence attached to it. Great. Thank you. Thanks for giving us a great background there. And so tell us a little bit about what your organization does throughout the month of April and also year round. So organizationally, we really try to focus on 
at the National Alliance to End Sexual Violence, making sure that we've really set the tone at the national level to give our give information and resources to coalitions, rape crisis centers, and other community partners to really talk about this in a way. So we do all the data, culminating it together, infographs, and we try to make it easy so that anyone who wants to engage in Sexual Assault Awareness Month have access to the tools and resources. And then what you'll see across this country is really a month full of awareness activities, again, from Take Back the Night events, Denim Day, which is coming up um, later this month. Um, um, you also see people doing fairs on college campuses. You see high school students doing booths to raise awareness. And you also see far more training opportunities available for specific disciplines, but also um, for community members. Again, really focused on drawing the awareness and then really building on the momentum that happens in April for the rest of the year to really start the prevention work. Because we strongly believe that we really have to ensure that people understand the issue. So that's the awareness, prevalence, frequency, and data that supports it. And then move into social norms and behavior change that really moves us towards the prevention lens. So in helping individuals understand sexual assault awareness, what is, are some of the key points, the key messaging that you use? So I, I, I would definitely say for me, the takeaway for people who are just tuning in, which hopefully that's not a lot of people who are just tuning in to sexual violence and sexual assault, is really making sure that they understand that, one, that we are really trying to move, remove the stigma from blaming victims and understanding where the responsibility lies. And so that's not just that's. Of course, people understand accountability around the individual that perpetrates the sexual violence or causes the harm, but also helping people understand that that it's really not a clean cut topic. And by that, I mean helping people understand that survivors absolutely in more cases than not roughly over 80 percent in any uh, large research study you look at over 80 percent of survivors know their perpetrator. And that's, I believe, what's hard for people to get past the initial conversation of sexual assault is really saying, well, how, well, if they know them, then how did they sexual assault them? And how do you know it's sexual assault? So it really gets into the, is it true? How do you know? And why questions around sexual assault? And, and I say to people all the time, 20 plus years into this work, it is nuanced and it is complicated and it's okay to ask questions, but it's asking people it's for me making sure that they walk away with the right questions to ask so it doesn't result in victim blaming, but actually helping them begin to uncover what their own personal beliefs and biases are that prevent them from believing the prevalence of sexual violence. Because that's really what we run into is people don't believe the prevalence. They think that it can't happen this frequently. And so, so much of that is giving them the tools to ask themselves their internal questions so that they can then wrestle with why are they struggling with the prevalence. And oftentimes more than not is we spend so much of our time talking to every single person as though they're a survivor. One, because we believe the prevalence really is one in four. And so if we we know that then the way that we talk to people is also giving them the space to be very victim centered and focused. So as they start to uncover for themselves their own personal beliefs and how it intersects with the work that we're doing to raise awareness and prevention, that they that they actually walk away not feeling alone if they uncover thoughts that they had suppressed or an experience that they suppressed or somebody else's experience that they may have responded to in a way that they now regret or feel bad about. So really making sure that we're raising awareness in a way that doesn't push people away from the issue, but that we're allowing them to be open 
and be engaged in conversation um, because this really is about switching the narrative to really move to prevention. And so the biggest takeaway is giving people what they need to explore the topic, explore the research and explore their own personal feelings and um, experiences around sexual violence. That's really how we move to prevention. Thank you. Those that's so important in helping normalize these conversations and and help in the the prevention and awareness. So then, if an individual would like to get involved, um, how what are some ways in which they can? So I tell people all the time, sexual sexual assault awareness is everybody's job. Truly, it's it's so it's one of those things that feels harsh to people who haven't really done, as I said, been engaged in these narrative um, conversations or normalizing this, is it is all of our issue. Sexual violence is an issue that plagues our community in so many different ways, organizations and community and you name it, families, there, there is no place. We always say there's no boundaries to the way sexual violence occurs and happens in our world. And that's true. And so the more that we can help people understand that this is their work, the easier it is for them to engage. So, you know, there are volunteer opportunities and internships at the National Alliance to End Sexual Violence. There's a state coalition in all 50 states in all of our U.S. territories, including the District of Columbia. There are over 1,300 rape crisis centers that are community-based. There are almost every college campus now has sexual assault advocates or preventionists who really are engaged in this because of our Title IX work, which is in the midst of being transitioned a little uh, with this administration, but Title IX for the last nine years has really put a focus on addressing sexual assault on college campuses and high schools specifically. So there's almost not a realm of your life where you can't be engaged in this work. And we really, really say to people that we believe that sexual violence intersects every part of your life. And so my personal belief is, um, I, you know, I'm a Debbie Downer at a cocktail party because I like to tell people where I work so that I can then engage them in ways in which they can be a part of this work. I really don't believe we can move to prevention until everyone understands the ways in which they fit into this conversation to really change it. Prevention is about changing our behavior, our social norms, essentially what's acceptable to us as a community, removing the shame and stigma around it. That's all of our work. So there's personal individual work that you can do just by talking to your friends, changing the language. That's a huge part of what we talk to young people about. Again, I have a high schooler. Um, I'm married to a coach. We often ensure that when we use language that is often misogynist or sexist or for me i mean younger kids they're not young anymore they're now a little older but started using the word like oh that, i was raped if they lost something right or felt cheated out of something and so something like that is so harmful giving statistics we know how many people are impacted by sexual violence so really helping people also start with something as simple as personally changing our language um, and then again i always say that my goal in life is to create a cabbage patch which is a community full of people who really are committed to talking about sexual violence and under ways understand the ways that they can talk about it if they're you know a, an individual talking to their friends or families or if they're an attorney or a coach or a pastor or a preacher or, or someone who or for me as a parent how do I talk about that with my kid is also just as important so there truly is a role in the ways in which we can all be engaged in preventing sexual violence and drawing attention and awareness to it. Thank you so much for that. There's a lot of really valuable information there that if hopefully our listeners take some time to reflect on some of those things and pull them into um, the way they speak and think and, and get involved, then um, it's, 
it's it's interesting to think about where we could go with that. Absolutely. Uh, and thinking about bringing in a call to action for our listeners, what's something you'd like them to take away? So, so we're so we're at home. So, Sexual Assault Awareness Month is looking very different. People are trying to do virtual activities. So, since we're not since we're not congregating together and spending time together to do the activities that we're used to, my call to action for people is: after they listen to this, take a moment and figure out. One, is there something they can do specifically in their own particular communities or organizations that they work in? And then, and then if so, I would actually ask them to find a local agency that provides sexual assault services and reach out to them and ask how you can be engaged. I mean, it's from filing paperwork, filing papers and helping them keep a very organized office while they're providing direct services, all the way to volunteering to being um, an advocate. We do a lot of volunteer advocates on our crisis lines or hospital accompaniment. And now a lot of volunteers are not engaged because those two things are no longer what they were while we're being quarantined. So really reaching out and saying, are there ways that we can help you? And sometimes I will tell you as someone who worked on the ground that a call from a community person just to say, how are you? And we support you could go a long way during this time. So our call to action is as big as get involved and reach out and how you can volunteer and engage in your community all the way to something as small as sending a note for thank you for your service services because people are at home and, and some people are not safe in their homes. Some people were violated by family members or community members and they are now at home during this time and could be triggered. And so our advocates are still working. They are still here for you. They are still responding. And so a nice note could go a long way to those people who are still working 24 hours a day. I hope our listeners feel empowered now to be able to begin some important conversations and to get involved in their communities. Thank you. And thank you for drawing attention to this. And we appreciate the great work that you all are doing at SafeSport. Thank you. And Monika, thank you so much for your time and for your valuable insight today. For our listeners, if you know of or suspect abuse or misconduct, please report it to www.uscenterforsafesport.org. You can report anywhere, anytime on our 24-7 portal. If you have confidential or anonymous questions and want support for yourself or someone else, Contact the SafeSport Helpline through the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at www.safesporthelpline.org. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. Thanks again, Monica. Thank you very much.